you have to Peter. Uh, chapter 1, uh, we'll be uh, looking particularly at verses 12 to 21. Let's pray and ask God to help us. Uh, Lord, we've just sung that you are a God who speaks. Uh, and Lord, we pray that you would indeed speak to us again through your living words. Do us all much, much good as we spend these few minutes looking at it now. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, as uh, a number of you know, I was running uh, in the 2024 Brighton Half Marathon. Um, And I was very thankful after something that happened to me this week that I was running on firm concrete ground. (laughs) Uh, On Wednesday afternoon, I took myself off for a run uh, and... Just as I was entering into Preston Park, uh, found a load of wet, muddy leaves before me, and I thought, oh, Daniel, be careful, Uh, you could slip here. Uh, So I decided to proceed with caution, and before I knew it, I was on the ground. (laughs) So I was thankful for the firm foundations of the roads of Brighton and Hove, Today, when I was running, <laughs> what's that got to do with two Peter? Well, Peter, so far in this letter, has been encouraging us to, to make every effort to be growing in godliness. And as he says in verse 10, if you do this, you will never stumble. <laughs> and he encourages us. Uh, that we are heading home, heading home for a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but is this really the, is, is the Lord Jesus Christ really the, the right foundation to be building our lives on? Uh, is, is living for him and seeking to grow in godliness, is that really going to keep us from stumbling? Is that really going to lead us to uh, living with the Lord Jesus forever? Uh, And is it really worth living uh, in in light of his coming, Uh, which some, as Peter talks about in this letter, are casting doubt upon? Uh, Well, Peter believes so. Uh, And he has two witnesses in this passage to prove the worth, uh, value, uh, and indeed the certainty of building our lives on the firm foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. But before we get there, uh, notice uh, in these first few verses in, in Verses 12 to 15, there's a, there's a bit of an urgency to Peter's writing here. Verse 13, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. Peter knows he, he's not got a lot longer to live. 
and he's writing these things with a sense of urgency. I want you to know these things. I want to pass these things on to you before I go. So this letter feels like it has a bit of urgency in in Peter's mind. These things must be communicated. Uh, what things were, well, he, he's speaking in verse 12 of reminding them of these things. Uh, and verse 15, and I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Uh, what are these things? Uh, well, we've seen already that Peter, right at the beginning of the letter, has reminded us of the gospel reminded us of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, reminding us that we boast not in our own work to save us, but, but in entirely in the blood and, and righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God has equipped us with all that we need to be growing in godliness. And as I've already said, Peter encourages us to uh, make our own efforts, make every effort to grow confident that God has equipped us to be able to grow in godliness with everything that we need to do that. He knows it's important for them to remember these things. Uh, Even though it seems from verse 12 that the Christians he's writing to are mature believers. Even though we know them, you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. He's writing to to mature believers, but but they need reminding of these things. Uh, And many of us in this room uh, are by God's grace mature believers Peter says it's important to remember these things. Don't forget the gospel. Don't forget that that God has given everything you need to grow in godliness. And don't forget where you're going. Don't forget that you're, you're heading to receive a rich welcome in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter wants to wants us to know with great certainty that that what we believe and who we are living for is trustworthy. He wants us to know that we are building our lives on solid ground and not on sinking sands. And perhaps he is particularly concerned about this because of false teachers which are around. Chapter 2 that will... uh, at least begin to look at next week is a chapter devoted entirely to false teachers. Uh, And in chapter 3, Peter says that there are people who who are casting doubt on the Lord Jesus' return. If they cast doubt on that, if Jesus isn't returning, then what's the point uh, in living these godly lives? If he's not returning, then there's no judgment. And if there's no judgment, well, live as you please. But Peter speaks here very clearly 
of the certainty we can have in the Lord Jesus and particularly at the certainty we can have about his return. Verse 16, for we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. That coming, don't think of Christmas, think of his return, second return to earth. That's what Peter is referring to in that verse. And so with that context in mind, he calls two witnesses to help us see very clearly this is sure, this is certain. Uh, And calling two witnesses, it's a a thoroughly biblical idea. Uh, Deuteronomy 19 verse 15 says, One witness is not enough to convict anyone accused of a crime or offense they may have committed. A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So Peter calls two witnesses, verses 16 through to 21. Uh, We're going to see... Uh, who they are in, in just a moment. Uh, and he calls them because of the disputes ar- around is Christ returning or not? Well, the first witness is eyewitness testimony. Uh, verse 16 again For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told ye about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Christ is coming again in power. That's the truth that Peter is defending. And to prove that to us, he is taking us back to the transfiguration, which uh, some of us on on Wednesday evening were were reading in, in Mark's gospel. Peter, James, John went up the mountain with Jesus and they saw him transfigured before before them. They, they saw his face shining like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Or as we read in, in Mark uh, on Wednesday, so white that whiter than anybody in the world could bleach them. They saw in that event an incredible, glimpse of the the majestic glory of Jesus Uh, and one day this Lord Jesus who who they saw in the the mountain glorified he's going to return in power Uh, the whole world the whole human race will see his majestic glory but not only did they see it with their eyes Not only did they gaze on his kingly brightness in his face and his clothes, which became dazzling white, they also heard the voice of the Father. Verse 17, he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. They heard with their ears the voice of God the Father saying, This is my son. He's reliable. He is who he says he is. Listen to him. Ooh. Someone's ringtone. Um, 
<laughs> and so they heard with their ears, uh, and they saw with their eyes the incredible glory of Jesus, the Son of God. What an experience it must have been. And it so impacted them that, that Peter writes about it here and uses as evidence, evidence to say this truly is the Lord Jesus. This truly is the Son of God. He will do as he said he would and return again in judgment. And so, readers, you are right to be building your life on him. We have really seen him. But those who are spreading doubt on Jesus' return, and maybe even some of us this evening, may say, well, it's all very well for you, Peter. If I heard a voice from heaven, then sure, I'd believe too. How do I know it's true? Well, this is eyewitness testimony. And it's not just Peter's. It's James and John. They were with Jesus on the mountain too. News reports, police investigations, they will look for eyewitness testimony to, to piece together what, what has happened in certain events. Who's involved? Can we be sure of this? Well, well yes, they, they've seen it with their own eyes and what they've said matches up with, with the, what they've said. I heard a series of podcasts last year um, on a slightly niche topic that the assassinations of Queen Victoria, the assassination attempts of Queen Victoria. And time and time again, as they look back on the history records, so many evidence came from eyewitness testimony. Peter is saying, we have really seen we have really heard the Lord Jesus. We were there on that mountain. Not just me, James and John too. If it was just Peter, then, then we could well say maybe he was hallucinating. But have not two, but, but three people hallucinating the same thing. Well, that's basically impossible. And so Peter says, we've seen his glorious majesty. The Lord Jesus is coming again in power. He is who he says he is. And so, making every effort to be growing in godliness, living in light of the return of the Lord Jesus... It is not building our lives on sand. It is building our lives on something firm. But there's not just the eyewitness testimony to prove it. There's also the prophetic witness. Verses 19 to 21. 
We also have the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, the prophets. Uh, and you will do well to listen to them, as you will do well to listen to the Lord Jesus. Jesus. That's, that's the sort of um, thing that's going on in these verses. It's reliable. Pay attention. Listen to it. And so what does Peter say? Verse 19, we also have the prophetic witness as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it. As to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. I heard a really helpful illustration uh, last Sunday when, when I was uh, having some time off and being at another church. Um, helpful illustration of the Old Testament scriptures, uh, of the prophets who, who speak in them. Uh, and the, the preacher was saying, uh, they are like moons. <laughs> so... Um, Hopefully you understand this right. Uh, the, the moon shines its light to earth in the dark so that, that we have a, a light shining when it's, when it's dark. But, but the moon doesn't get its own light. It, get, it gets its light from the sun, which, which reflects off it to earth. Uh, and the, the illustration is sort of saying that the prophets, the Old Testament scriptures, that they are like, Moons shining light in a, a dark world, uh, but they the light they shine it's not from them it's not their own it's the light of Christ, and so when we get to the New Testament we see Him rising like the the morning star as Peter describes here, the morning star Himself rising. It was night and that the moon was shining. The Lord was speaking through human servants. But, but now he's here, the son of God himself has come. And now he speaks. Verse 20 Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It is God who speaks through the prophets. Uh, down there, uh, towards the end of verse 21, it tells us that the prophets, though humans, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And the image we should have there is, is kind of, 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 a, of a sailing boat. A boat that has sails on it, but it needs wind in order to carry the boat along, to power it along. And what Peter is saying is that the human author, the human prophet, that that's not enough. That they can't speak God's word on their own. They need the spirit of God working in them, speaking through them. Otherwise, they're going to be powerless. Without the spirit, it's an empty, powerless work, word. But with God at work, by his spirit, the prophets were able to speak God's unchanging, life-giving words, just as we sung in that, that song just now. 
And so the source of our confidence in, in the scriptures is from God who speaks. God who speaks through uh, the human author. Uh, and just for a couple of moments, let, let's just, just turn up some, some Old Testament um, scriptures, shall we? Um, so first of all, Exodus 4. Exodus 4, verse 10. The screen says verse 10 to 12. My notes say verse 10 to 17, so we'll see where we go. Um, Exodus chapter 4. <laughs> Definitely from verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servants. Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and teach you what to say. Uh, Moses is going to speak because God is going to teach him what to say, going to give him the the words to say. Uh, And that's uh, echoed, uh, that's sort of uh, repeated further down um, when after Moses protests and says, Lord, send me someone else to speak. And so uh, his brother Aaron is uh, given to him. But verse 15 says, you shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. It is God who's going to speak through Moses and Aaron. It's God at work speaking through the human being. Um, just a couple of other places Jeremiah chapter 1 4 to 11 Jeremiah chapter 1 4 to 11 as we we're sort of checking what Peter is saying Jeremiah coming just after Isaiah, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 to 11. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew ye. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appoint you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you and to say whatever I command. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. 
Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See today, I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. I'll stop reading there. The Lord says to, to Jeremiah, as, he, as he's called uh, to be a prophet of the Lord, uh, I have put my words in your mouth. Uh, and final, final passage, Ezekiel chapter 3. So we've got Jeremiah, then we've got Lamentations, and then we come to Ezekiel. And Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 1 to 3, first of all. And he said to me, Son of man, eat what is before you. Eat this scroll. Then go and speak to the people of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me the scroll to eat. Then he said to me, Son of man, eat this scroll. I am giving you and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. And then verse 10 and 11. And he said to me, son of man, listen carefully and take to heart all the words I speak to you. Go now to your people in exile and speak to them. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, whether they listen or fail to listen. Uh, Ezekiel has this, this uh, a sign of, of eating this scroll, eating the, the Lord's words. And, and he will be able to open his mouth and, and speak the words of the Lord. Uh, Peter is right. Prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. God gives them the words to say. They are his words. And so the prophetic message is a, a, another, the second, sure and reliable witness. The prophetic message are words from the unchanging God of heaven. Uh, and so we'll do well to pay attention to them. And so coming back to sort of the, the main uh, point of things, why, why I think Peter is talking, uh, showing us these two witnesses. Uh, is there any point of living in light of Jesus' return? Is Jesus really coming? Is he who he says he is? Uh, is he worth following? Well, absolutely yes. And so is it worth making every effort to be growing in godliness? Is it worth battling with sin and temptations which come our way? Is it worth gathering here on a Sunday evening to, to hear from God's word, to spend time with people, to be uh, equipped to be living for the Lord? Well, yeah. His word is sure and reliable. Jesus really is who he says he is. The Old Testament prophetic message 
is a light shining in a dark place. It's a faithful witness that points us to the morning star, to the glorious dawn of the Lord Jesus, who came into this world and who is coming again. And we can be sure of that. Jesus is surely coming. And so we can live in light of his return with great certainty. I'm going to pray. Our Father God, thank you. Thank you so much that you have spoken to us, spoken to this world's hundreds, thousands of years uh, through the prophets, spoken your sure and unchanging words. And thank you that they uh, point us to the glorious morning star, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has come into our world and is who he says he is. He is God. And he will do what he says he he will do. He will return again. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us, each one, to listen uh, to your word, to listen to what T. Peter says uh, and encourages us with, to, to live in light of his sure return. Lord, help us. Help us to do that, confident that you have given us everything we need to grow in godliness and confidence not in ourselves but in the blood and righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ which alone can save and so we ask this in Jesus name Amen